You're listening to the MyMac.com podcast with your host, Tim Robertson. It's time for another listener invite. This week we've got Justin Bryce joining us to talk about, well, Snow Leopard, PowerPC support in Snow Leopard. Hey, how about the Palm Pre? Justin is a Palm Pre user, so we're going to talk to him about it. A real-life Palm Pre user. I know you guys didn't think they really existed, but they do. Thanks for downloading my Mac podcast number 252. Enjoy. My Mac Podcast number 253 of our weekly show. I'm Tim Robertson, the host, and I've got David Cohen with me. Hello, David. Good evening. And Guy Searle. Hello, hello. And something that we've been doing lately, at least we've done it uh, three times now, it's called the Listener Invite, where we're inviting the listeners of the show onto the show to talk with us, not as an interviewee, more like uh, Harry McCracken last week, that was an interview. This is more like, hey, just join us on the podcast and have a good time and, you know, Drink one and talk shop and, you know, that kind of thing. So we've got Justin Bryce today. Hey, Justin. How's it going? Good. Where are you from? Uh, Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. I hate your football team. (laughs) (laughs) We love them, so it's all good. I wanted to know whoever decided that was America's team. Oh, this Uh, used to make me so mad. I asked my dad the same thing. Yeah, I have no idea. But it is, and... Apparently, America agrees with that, so I don't, I don't know what you're complaining about. You, you know what we used to call uh, <laughs> you know what we used to call uh, a, a circle of drug users and drug dealers in Dallas back in the day. Absolutely, a huddle. Dallas Cowboys, <laughs> Super, a huddle. Super Bowl winning team, by the way. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm a Lions fan, so you know you got to have some pity oh, on ouch, me. Ouch. Yeah, that's even worse. Nope. Trust, trust me. Ouch. I get I get pity, so that's always nice. <laughs> so one of the things that I was really interested in. And having you on the show was in your email. I'm used to people sending me email now from their phones, and it usually says sent from my iPhone. Yours doesn't say that. <laughs> it does not say that. It used to say that. It used to say that a lot, but and not not so much anymore. Now it says sent from my Palm Pre. So tell us about Palm that. You went Pre. from an iPhone to a Palm Pre. Yes, I did. And I, I guess I should probably preface this with saying I'm a I'm a huge phone geek, uh, almost as much as I am a, a Mac geek. Um, because, you know, I love everything Mac. Yeah, I love everything Apple. I, well, loved everything Apple, I should say. But uh, I'm also a big phone guy. And uh, I've, I've gone through a lot of phones. And the iPhone was my phone for the biggest, for the longest time. It, you know, I, I loved it. I've, I camped out the first two times it was released. Wow. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I gave the iPhone its fair shot. You know, I waited in line for the iPhone the original one, I was the second one in line, and then the iPhone 3G, uh, I was like the 20th something. But, and I had, had uh, the iPhone 3G and was using that as my main phone for about a year or so, uh, or a little under a year, I should say. And uh, I just can't do it anymore, man. And so you got, you got dissatisfied with it. What was it about the iPhone that you were just like, I need a change? Well, the, the very first thing, and I was thinking about this uh, actually last night while I was laying in bed. Um, I think the reason that the, the the first thing and really the biggest thing that really made me kind of go, wow, they're really going to do that, is whenever everybody was hacking the first generation iPhones, 
Because I was I was an iPhone hacker, I guess I should also say. Mm-hmm. Like you jailbroken? I'm not. Yeah, jail jailbroken. I, yeah, I wasn't part of the iPhone dev team or anything like that. But uh, whenever uh, people were trying to unlock them and then Apple bricked them, I I was pretty upset with uh, because you know I paid you know, your for the first iPhone. Yeah, I paid six hundred bucks for the first iPhone. You, Apple's not going to tell me what to do with it. You know. They did. I spent the money, so I'm gonna. If I want to jailbreak it, then that's my business. You know, that's my thing. I'm gonna do it. And they, it just seemed like uh, they were punishing people for doing that. And I just, I had never, like, before I got into the iPhone, I was a big Palm Trio guy. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 Trio 650 was my holy grail of phones. You know, I've never had a phone uh, that that I've been able to almost consider like a friend the way I, I could consider that phone and the iPhone was close you know it was up there but uh, just just the way Apple tried to close everything off and tried to I don't know I wish they would have taken the same approach that they did to the computers you know make you know like uh, okay if you consider like the download part of uh, Apple's website you know where people can download apps and stuff sure P- you know people the Regular users aren't uh, necessarily going to go to Version Tracker or Mac Update or, or places like that to find you know new software and stuff. They they go to the the Apple Downloads page, which I consider kind of the the App Store version of uh, computers. Kind of, for the I Mac, agree. At least. And uh, you know, and so you could download something from there if you wanted. If not, that's cool. You could download something from somebody else's site, or if you were savvy enough, version tracker or Mac update or places like that. Uh, but, you know, it was your choice. Totally up to you. You paid for the computer. Now you do what you want with it. And I just wish I would have taken the same approach to the phone. And so as I started getting more, uh, uh, I don't know the word, not happy, uh, dissatisfied with the iPhone, I, I looked for other phones you know, so like, I bought a BlackBerry Bold, and I liked it. Uh, but it, you know, nothing big. Uh, I bought a uh, HTC uh, Fuse on HTC. Uh, actually, that's the only phone I haven't tried. Is Android, and I've heard some good stuff about it. It's just I never had any desire to go to T-Mobile. Yeah, I hear you. So you but, settled uh, on the Palm Pre. Yeah, uh, within the last week or two, I tried the Palm Pre, and I love it. So where do you rank it now? You've been using it for a week. Is it as good as is the marketing height? Does it need some work? I mean, I, I've used one for all of five minutes, and I, that's as far as my, you know, education with that particular oh, yeah. phone goes. Just five minutes. Yeah, yeah, about five minutes. Yeah, um, you know, there's definitely some stuff they, they need to improve on. Uh, I know, uh, Tim, I don't think it likes you very much because whenever I try to reply to you back an email on my Palm Pre, it... it, it freezes my phone it see uh, it says <laughs> it, even though it says my mac they just see mac yeah and exactly Astro. exactly yeah but uh yeah i mean on on the whole especially considering that this is the first first attempt by palm with the new operating system uh web os uh it is it definitely is on the same level as i would put uh my iphone 3g now i i should also say i haven't tried uh um, the, the iPhone 3GS. or iPod Touch OS. Uh, well, I haven't tried the 3.0 yet. Made a big uh, change. Because is, is it is it that big of a change? You know, I for 
giggles earlier, I was actually watching the keynote from 2007, Macworld Expo, which I don't oh, yeah. usually do, but it, that was where they introduced the iPhone. And uh-huh, my, yeah, my, my wife I've actually... i got that whole thing, like, memorized, yeah. Well, I was sitting in the audience. In fact, the other oh, two wow. guys, Guy and David, you both were there as well. Were you there? Wait a minute. Were you there, David? No, no I wasn't. I was, I wasn't he came the next year. The next so, year, yeah. right. Yeah. So you got to see the MacBook Air released. woo Yeah. Um, <laughs> but Guy was there. And, I was there. And, um, in fact, there's uh, that MacHeads movie. Yeah. In, in the trailer for that. You actually see you at that keynote, which I thought was kind of funny. You're standing right, up my, taking a picture. With my little camcorder and my uh, and my uh, my hair hanging down. Yep, that's right. So very good. So I was actually watching that, and it's still impressive watching Steve Jobs go through the demo. But Absolutely. it looked clunky. the 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 OS, the iPhone OS, looked clunky in that video. Now, knowing what the iPhone is now with the, like the iPhone 3GS with through oh, alone software, and it's like, wow, it's come a long way in a relatively <laughs> short amount of time. But, yeah, well, I, mean, I you, can't imagine you, going back to pre-3.0 software. I mean, even like what what you were just saying with the iPhone 1.0, I mean, really, essentially, it was just a, a very fancy flip phone, you know, or what they call a feature phone, you know, where it's not necessarily designed to have these apps put on it. It had a certain set of apps that you were supposed to use in a certain way to get whatever job you had to get done, done, you know. And with with uh, 2.0, you know, they opened the app store and it becomes more, the iPhone became more of a more of a true smartphone. Uh, I saw some ads for uh, like different accessories for the first generation iPhone when it was out before 2.0 was released. And it was like, it said something about the iPhone being a smartphone. And that was never really true with the with 1.0. Uh, I know that Apple also said in the keynote that the iPhone was supposed to be a smartphone, but it really wasn't because a smartphone, one of the big things that makes a smartphone a smartphone is the ability to add third-party apps. And so that got there with 2.0. Yep. Uh, but with 2.0, whenever I got the iPhone 3G, I was more uh, disappointed with the hardware rather than... Uh, than you mean the software the slowness or the, well, the responsiveness, uh, the, the, the lack of RAM on it. Yeah, that was a problem. Yep, I, I totally mean, agree. I, yeah, I mean, I've got a, a, a hack on my uh, iPhone 3G right now that gives me a uh, a uh, number on the uh, oh, what is it, the status bar or whatever. Okay. Yeah. That uh, that tells me uh, how much available RAM I have at any given time. And uh, it's it's never above twenty uh, twenty megabytes. What do you think about the new iPhone three GS? Do you think that now, Apple I've, addressed those I yet? Have, yeah, I think they have because uh, you know they've upped the they what was it like they doubled the they RAM doubled or the something? They doubled the RAM. Like? Yeah. the RAM. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that's great. I think that the uh, the ability of Apple to to double the RAM and add a, a better camera on it. I, I think that addresses a lot of the problems, but you know, I already I already gave the iPhone a shot. You know, I bought two of them. And your Palm Pre. Them, yeah, and I and I got my Palm Pre. So what's really and, cool uh, about the Palm Pre that you're really digging on? Well, the thing I'm really digging on the Palm Pre is is the fact that uh, you know uh, what's his name Rubenstein John Rubenstein yep uh, who left Apple and went to Palm. 
he was one of the guys uh, who helped with the original iPhone, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he is. And uh, Palm has gotten a lot of Apple's uh, engineers, employees. Yeah, exactly. To help on the Palm Pre. So it's almost like uh, taking the guys who worked on the first iPhone and said, okay, here. Make try, another one. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll give you another <laughs> shot. We, you know, you know what you did wrong or what you thought you could have done better and what you thought you did good. That was good, you know, add that into it and uh, come back to us in about six months and tell us what you, tell us what you got. Show us what you got. And it's like they brought the Palm Pre and it's it's almost perfect. I mean, you know, the software needs a little work, but it has the the physical keyboard, uh, which, you know, the iPhone's keyboard is still pretty good. You know, I, I had some some issues about it at first, but once I learned to trust it, kind of like what Steve Jobs said, uh, once you learn to trust it, you fly. That's true. Autocorrect think, works well. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the pre's uh, autocorrect works pretty well as well. I didn't like uh, the, the actual keypad on the, the Palm Pre because that was one of the things that I was the most interested in. I thought, you know, I'm probably going to like a physical keyboard a lot more than the virtual keyboard. But the keys, for me anyways, and I'm not a real big guy, I'm just just under six foot, um, it was just too small. I mean, I was hitting multiple buttons, and I thought, you know, if you're going to do a keyboard, why would you make it so tiny? I agree, and especially if you look at it real closely, uh, like the plastic that... uh, surrounds the keyboard there's definitely some space at the bottom where they could have expanded the keys a little more but uh overall i mean i went from uh a blackberry to the palm pre the uh the blackberry bold which has a pretty wide keyboard and it's you know i'm still not as fast with it yet but i'm i'm getting there and uh yeah i mean it's the physical keyboard it's the fact that you can now again hook it into iTunes, because Apple released that update that was supposed to take away the Palm Pre's ability to be seen in iTunes as an, as an iPod. Yep. Well, like yeah, the let, day... Well, let's talk about that. You know, I mean, do you, do you think that uh, Palm is making a mistake by trying to tie it into iTunes, or do you think they should, they should make, like, their own store and their own app store, do what Apple did, but maybe even do it better? Yeah. Um, actually... Number one, they have their own app store. The Palm Pre has its own app store. Right. What we're talking and, about, Guy, is is syncing your non-DRM music and playlists from exactly. iTunes on the on the Palm Pre. Uh, Apple I mean, allowed I, older MP3 players to do that. Uh, the Nomad would did it, but they haven't let anybody else do that for a long, long time. And Palm and, Pre comes out and says, "Hey, you could sync your your music with your Palm Pre in iTunes." They come out, it does, and then Apple has an update where they turned off it, and then Palm comes back and re-enables it. So it's in Apple's court, which they'll probably come out with another update to turn it off again. And, and it's, it's and pretty pretty obvious that those are ex-Apple engineers. Because they know exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Because now and it's actually showing up as an iPod. Yeah, it shows up as a white uh, fifth-generation iPod. Yep. Um, um, trickery, but do you think that Apple has a point? It's like, you know what? It's our software. It's it's our hardware. They work in tandem. Um, we don't want you to build your business by piggybacking on our technology. Or do you think, yeah. well, you know what? It's the customer's music library. You should be able to sync any player you want with it. 
But well, wouldn't think, it be you know, easier I'm... just to just to move your music to someplace else and sync from there? Well, no, of course not. If if you've been using iTunes and you know, let's assume that most people at this point in, in uh, 2009 uses iTunes for the music libraries now because Mac or PC, everybody has owned or currently owns an iPod. And, That's right. And to sync all your music, you had to use iTunes. And so let's just assume that everybody uses iTunes now, just like for a while everyone used Netscape Navigator and then everyone used uh, Microsoft Internet Explorer. Um, or VisiCalc yeah. if you want to go way far back. So there's all your music guy already in this application. Here's a, a phone that plays MP3s. Why can't you sync those playlists in iTunes on your phone? Or if you're on uh, corporate Apple side, why is anybody else going to be able to sync their device that we don't make, that we don't get any money for, off of all of our engineering and software technology? Well, so, I, I know that Palm had actually complained to the commission that that manages uh, U.S. U, what's, what's the USB? Yeah, yeah, that, that manages USB, and they pretty much turned them down, saying that well, you know, you're you know, you're, you're supposed to identify yourself correctly, but correctly by what hardware it is that you're using. Yeah, but that's semantics. Palm Let's is, not get into that. Let's talk about it as as the question is posed. What side would you come down on? Would you come down on Palm side and and the and let's say the consumer, because in this regard, I think that Palm they're doing it for their own reasons. But from a consumer standpoint, guy, if you weren't happy with your iPhone and you decided to go with a Palm Pre, why do you have to have a whole another set of software and rebuild all your playlists and move all your music over? Why can't you just plug in that Palm Pre and it sync with iTunes? Or if you're more of an Apple apologist saying, well, yeah, this is Apple software. They're the ones that created it. They're the ones that grew up from nothing to what it is today. And, of course, they should be able to have that monopoly on what devices sync with their software. That's really the question. I, I'd ha- I, yeah, that, that's a tough one for me because I, I, I just kind of look at it as, you know, that that's kind of, of how Apple built up that business and you know, from a consumer standpoint, yeah, it's it's nice that you can have different devices connect up to iTunes, but I I, I just can't wrap my head around, you know, that that pre, that Palm is trying to take some shortcuts here, and should should really be developing for their own platform instead of trying to piggyback off someone else's. What do you think? Well, I think well, I think one thing you can say uh, is that this is something that Palm's going to continue to. Uh, try to achieve because Apple tried to break the, the ability for the Palm Pre to sync with iTunes. Then yep. Palm comes out with the update to say, okay, hey, all you Palm guys, it's cool. You can you can sync with iTunes again. Isn't that great? What do you think, David? I, I mean, yeah. I, I, I think, it, I mean, clearly it's, it's an attempt to buy Palm to tweak Apple. You know, to kind of wind them up a little bit and say, "Oh, look, you know, we can do this," and they they must have they I'm sure quite sure they did it, you know, knowing full well that Apple would take steps to block it. I mean, it was in their PR material respond. for the phone yeah. itself. I well, mean, that, they advertised that. that, that, that's, see, that that's, at D five, they I, announced it. Yep, that's what I don't like about it. If they'd have built it in and not made up a song and dance, uh, uh, you know, and then Apple had changed it, and then they change it back, that's one thing. But to actually come out and very bullishly say, oh, yeah, and we can do this, and uh, Apple can't do anything about it. You know what? 
if Microsoft did that, if they suddenly, if Microsoft suddenly announced that they'd um, reconfigured the Zoom so that it would talk to iTunes, um, you know, <laughs> Five people, would, people would go ballistic, and you know what? Lawsuits already would have been filed. Yeah, yeah, but Punk, if you could go the other way. You could go the well, other way. I think, I think if, you also if, have to remember, though, that, that that Apple and Palm have already kind of started to butt heads in court over over the Palm Pre with stuff like the uh, the internet browser. Um, uh, I, I think the web browser and the pre. I could be wrong about this. I don't know for sure, but I think the web browser is built on uh, WebKit. I mean, I think that you know if if Apple felt like they could do something like that, it would have been done already, or it would have already been. Uh, Brought up in 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 some form, whether it's court or whether it's in PR or whatever, uh, because yeah. I, I don't I don't think Palm would have come out at, at D five, and and you know not only announced it but sh- you know show how it works at D five if they if they felt like uh, Apple could potentially break that at some point. Uh, I don't. I don't think they they would have uh, they would have announced that. I think it just that, would have been that, like yeah. a secret feature. I think the way the way it was done, it was a deliberate attempt to say to Apple, you know, um, you know we're now we're playing in your space and we think we're better than you. I actually think the way it was done was a little bit childish. Um, I, th- I think you know the, uh, the 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 guys behind Palm um, who who kind of launched the phone. The way they were talking was, you know, very. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take Apple to lunch. We get, we you know, we're gonna really really make a dent in their market. And uh, you know, they've got to accept that there's somebody else on the block now, and that's fine. Um, I th- I think the way it was done, just to me, it, it came across as people being. Yeah, it was just people being childish. I think it's unnecessary. I think it's a distraction. And I don't. My real problem with this, I don't think it serves you as a Palm Pre customer to have parts of the functionality of your phone changing on a regular basis on the whims of some sort of, you know, um, I'm bigger than you contest going on between Apple and Palm. I, I, I don't think it serves you as a customer. Um, and that, that's why I think it's childish. I think, I think as Guy says, they would have been but just, just better producing their own media sync software for the phone. And if that was able to talk to iTunes or read an iTunes library, that would be a different matter than actually, you know, Kind of doing some some technical sleight of hand to make iTunes actually think that you plugged an iPod in. You know the funny thing is, no, I, I, I see that. Yeah. And the, yeah. The funny thing is, iTunes simply uses XML. And mm-hmm. that's, that's right. You yeah. know, why couldn't somebody like Palm create their own software that just reads that database? That would actually be completely well, legal, and Apple couldn't block that no matter what they did. Well, there's I know BlackBerry does that, and on the Palm uh, website, you know, I obviously. Being uh, the enlightened mind that I am, I'm a Mac user. Uh, they do have a. Uh, I saw on their website a uh, piece of software for Windows users that was something like Palm Music Sync or something like that. So, uh, something to the effect of this is how you put music on your on your uh, Palm Pre if you're a Windows user. I don't know. I, I didn't pay too much attention to it, uh, but I think that that's going to be what. Uh, if Apple is able to truly block the Palm Pre, you know, uh, forever from iTunes, that's gonna that's gonna be uh, Palm's. Uh, oh, what's the downfall? Word uh, not downfall, but that's gonna that's what they're gonna have to do. It'll is, be their wake up call more than anything else. You know, it'll be at that point that they'll have to come up with their own app. 
and, well, and if, yeah, it, and if it reads iTunes X, XML files and you know re-downloads all of all of your audio content into whatever kind of app it is that they could make, you know, I would have absolutely no problem with that. I would have nothing to complain about. Well, yeah. you don't well, have anything I, to complain about I anyways because you're not going to buy a Palm Pro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, never, never say never. You know, here's well, the thing. I, I should I, also say uh, another reason why I got the Palm Pro is because I'm, I'm just really sick and tired of AT&T. Well, yeah, I and think I mean, a lot I'll, of people I'll just are with say you on that. that. Like, I have, I have absolutely no AT&T reception in my apartment whatsoever. Hmm. And, I mean, I, I have a little bit of Sprint signal. I mean, I, I'm actually a little disappointed with how little Sprint signal I have. But that's, no matter how little it is, that's like worlds above what AT&T was able to get to where I live. And it's my money, you know, and I'm, I choose where it goes. And it's in, it's in Sprint's bank right now. So we're a couple months away, but everybody is, uh, at least, you know, hardcore Mac users like us, are all talking about Snow Leopard. Uh, David, oh, what's the most exciting for you, David, about Snow Leopard? Are you uh, going to be an early adopter, or are you going to hold off? Or oh no, I, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to be buying it when it comes out, um, and uh, yeah, I'll be deploying it on um, all of my machines as soon as I can, really, um, just because you know I'm, I'm expecting big things under the hood um, from from Snow Leopard, and, and I'm expecting to see quite a lot of innovative new software. Um, coming out as a result of that, it wouldn't surprise me if um, if Apple, you know, fairly quickly after Snow Leopard is in and bedded down, uh, redevelops some of its own applications to take extra advantage of the features of Snow Leopard. Um, and I, I'm going to want to be able to do that because uh, you know all this this core stuff um, in terms of being able to use the graphics cards to take some of the load off the system should uh, should give some really nice performance improvements. So uh, you know I, I'm interested to see that. And also you know from our perspective at my Mac, uh, I want to know what breaks. You know which software that that you run and rely on today is not going to work so well with Snow Leopard without an update because I think we've got a, a duty to understand that and let our readers our readers and listeners know kind of what the state of players you know guy one of the the things that i'm kind of excited about snow leopard and this is kind of surprising when you look at the size of os's as time has gone on uh the mac or the windows or linux for that matter is that these os's keep gobbling up more and more hard drive space but with snow leopard apple's actually reverse engineered a lot of stuff and it takes less space than regular leopard does in fact I, Six I think gigs yeah, yeah, it's 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 rescuing like three or four gigs that it's currently using right now. Does that surprise you? No, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, this is going to be the first one they've come out with that's going to be Intel only. So a, a lot of the code that they were having to use to go back and forth between you know the two technologies is just going to be unnecessary. Plus, you know, plus having to reverse engineer certain functions that only work with Intel. So that it'll work somewhat with uh, the Power PC. So it's it's going to be you know e- even if even if you're only running uh, 32-bit apps, I- I'm anticipating that that most everything is going you know that 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 will work natively with it without a major update is is going to work really really well. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I I think the only part of it that I'm not going to look forward to is doing clean installs uh, at least on my on my iMac that's that's here downstairs and having to you know reload all of my software a lot of which I'd gotten online yeah just is how it long the have you been a, iMac? 
No, no, I, I have a, a 2.16 uh, white one. Justin, how oh, long okay. have you been a Mac user? Um, I got the very first MacBook Pro when it came out, so sometime in 2006. Okay, so you kind of skipped the whole um, 68K and PowerPC days. Uh, Absolutely, you, yes, yes. With with that, do you still think it's too early for Apple to stop supporting the PowerPCs? Absolutely not. No, I've I've uh, again. I, I got my first Mac, uh, the very first MacBook Pro, and I've gone through three laptops and one desktop. And so in that in that short amount of time, I've I've been through a fair amount of computers, and I think it's about time they start. Uh, Ripping out the PowerPC code. I have to because, say, go ahead. Oh no, I was going to say because uh, most of the people that I know that still use PowerPC Max are people who are still on like ten point three. You yeah. know, people who have no desire to update whatsoever. Well, right. I'll give you an Eats. example so, though. Uh, our very first listener invite, we had Jim Felder on the show, and he does a lot of photography work. He bought the last generation uh, Power Mac G five, and it's still a very powerful machine. Because when you look at raw horsepower, even the new Intel machines hasn't come really that much farther than the height of the PowerPC. And he's literally got thousands of dollars invested in this. And he needs that kind of horsepower for all the work that he's doing. So here's his dilemma. He's either stuck at Leopard uh, where it ends up before the... Uh, it's probably Which is not be, bad. No, it's not, not bad. A, not a bad place to be stuck, no. I have to say. But w- what does he do? Does he reinvest thousands of dollars more on another machine that's comparable to what he has now just so he can stay current? Or is he just SOL? Well, well I think that with where, where the, the Mac is now like i have uh, the last generation mac pro it's what i'm on right now uh-huh. uh the, the eight core one uh you know that that's where apple's going now so if you're a power pc user you know that okay it's either going to stop here at leopard with what i have now or i can spend two to three thousand dollars upgrade to the newest mac pro and i'll be able to keep going you're safe for I another mean, it, three or four years yeah yeah, I mean, if 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 that's what you're running your business on, is it really that much? And I mean, and I hate to I hate to to put any type of value like that on, on a business, but I mean, if if you're if what you're doing every day revolves around how strong your Mac is and how powerful it is, and and you know the the CPU power and how many uh, processors it has in it. If, I mean, if you're worried about going to 10.6, if you're that worried, then I would think you'd already have a Mac Pro now. Or whenever they made the announcement that that's where they're going, that you would start really pricing out the Mac Pro and seeing how much you could sell your uh, G5 is. David, how much how you could sell your G5 if you're, if, you're, if you're rendering a video or um, doing anything that really kind of burns up horsepower, I would have thought you would have already gone to the Mac Pro because... Yep. The, you know, as great as even a quad-core G5 machine was, it is, you know, it compared to, you're talking about two to three times more performance if you go to the equivalent Mac Pro. Absolutely. If, you, mm-hmm. if, you're, not, if you're not maxing out the G5 or, um, you know, you're kind of pushing to the limits and maybe you need a little, just a little bit more horsepower, then going to just a, a, a you know, a, a dual-core iMac the latest version is going to give you more performance than you have out of that G5 Absolutely. without having to invest in in the Mac Pro 
platform. Now, obviously, if you're you know you're a big user of, of uh, you know extra internal drives or something like that, or RAID mm-hmm. or something like that, then you then you may need to go to Mac Pro uh, and appreciate that. But for, for somebody staying in Jim's position, I would imagine that that an iMac would would do him just as well. But again, as as you rightly rightly said, the you know. The, the launch of 10.6 does not invalidate uh, Leopard at all. And if you're running your business today on Leopard, then you're going to be able to continue to do that as long as Apple continues to security patch the, hot, the uh, software uh, and, and the other applications you use don't migrate to new versions that, that require 10.6, then you'll be okay. So I would imagine most people on a, on a G5 machine are probably going to see at least another 12 to 18 months useful life out of Leopard before they're Absolutely. really going to be And I would suggest constrained. not putting any more money into any PowerPC machine at this point. I, I, oh, I do mean yeah. any money into it. If you're thinking about, I still want to use this G5 for another year, but I need no, uh, some hard drive space, which is actually a, an email I got from uh, the self-same Jim. He he wanted to know what my suggestions were. I would absolutely not go with internal drives because guess what? Those aren't going yeah. to work with the new machine. Exactly. Uh, go yeah, with and, a FireWire or USB external drive yeah. because and, it's, and if yeah, yeah and with if SATA. It's, yeah, exactly. Or if you're if you yeah, do the G fives do the do the G fives support SATA or is that well they don't have uh, to if, they, if they're in a USB or FireWire enclosure. Yeah, oh, I know I that. Mean, it, I, I it, just it, I just it, didn't know what they supported internally. Well, they 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 have card slots, so you can put a a, a SATA. Uh, card into the machine right. if you want to, um, but and, and if you you know if you really need redundant storage like RAID or something like that, and you uh, have a G5, have a th- have a look at an external box like a Drobo or something, rather than building it into the into the unit. So again, you've got something that's portable when you do upgrade. Or maybe they can go with a RAID from our uh, buddies Otherworld Computing. Uh, you can yeah. actually get you know from eighty gigs all the way up to two terabyte, and it's going to cover your current needs for the G5, but you can also migrate it even to an iMac if you want. Heck, you can even migrate it to a Mac Mini. <laughs> you can even, you yeah. Can even uh, yeah, as long as it's got USB, you can put it into an Airport Extreme. Exactly, and I think at this point we all realize that FireWire 400 is dead. So if you're looking at external cases, I'd probably stay away from FireWire 400. I mean, if it comes with it, great. Uh, for instance, a lot of the drives that come with... Um, that, that OWC sells anyways, like the Mercury Elite All Pro. You've got FireWire 800, uh, FireWire 400, USB, as well as uh, eSATA. So, I mean, you know. That's awesome. Th- that's, that's what you want. You want the multiple interfaces so that this device that you buy for hundreds of dollars, you'll be able to take with you for years to come. And thank God and for the multiple ones because I've got some old cases here that I wouldn't be able to use with a newer machine. It, it only has FireWire 400. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, even if you bought your machine somewhat recently, I mean, let's, you know, excluding what you were just saying, Tim, uh, you know, let, let's just let's assume you have a newer machine. Would you want to use anything other than FireWire 800? I mean, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, Fire, FireWire 400. I mean, I mean is... if you have the choice, if you have the choice, obviously, you know, if you don't have the uh, the newer 13 inch MacBook Pro. Yeah, but I still have I still have a hard time saying that. By the way, I know yeah. it's weird. <laughs> the, the the thing is, is that you know, it, it's it's we've we've had this debate before on the podcast and also on the website. Um, you know, it's easy to get hung up about FireWire and particularly FireWire eight hundred and and you know, obviously FireWire eight hundred is a very strong solution. But you know, don't discount USB two or FireWire four hundred for most users unless you're 
you know, really moving a hell of a lot of data through that cable. Um, USB 2 is perfectly adequate, and Firewire 500 will also do the job if you have that port available. But obviously... But I'm saying future- if, you, if you have the Firewire 800 port available, though, and it's not being used, I mean, come on. Well, yeah, but, you know, by the same token, the USB 2 drive is... Is probably going to be a, a cheap option. So if you if you want to save some money, cheaper um, anyway. Yeah, if you want yeah. to save some money and you also m- might want to use it on multiple machines and maybe with a few Windows machines which don't tend to have firewire on, then USB two is also a, a perfectly adequate. And, solution. I, and I have to say, well, looking at firewire eight hundred and USB two being future proof, I would much more. Uh, comfortably rely on USB two yeah, being no future proof and not. FireWire 800, unfortunately. Do any uh, of you guys use eSATA? Yeah, I do. What uh, What do you use it on? What do you mean? Oh, like, uh, are you using it on a laptop or desk? Because I'm, no, I've got it's a an Mac external Pro drive. and well, I, I've got a Mac Pro and a and a MacBook Pro, uh, the uh, unibody 15 inch one. Yep. And I I'm looking for eSATA cards for both of my computers for the the Mac Pro and the MacBook Pro, and like I. I I'm having a hard time finding ones that say Mac compatible on the box. Uh, it's so just a I'm, it's just a driver. I mean, if you could find out who makes the card, you could probably find uh, eSATA drivers for your Mac for that card. In fact, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if 10.6 has eSATA drivers just built straight in. Because mm-hmm. you know those um, those those Express cards are uh, you know they're they're fairly simple. So, um, but I think you, know, it, the, you want to hook it up to multiple machines, right? Well, I just want to be able to, like, I've got a, uh, a 500 gigabyte drive that has USB, FireWire 400, and eSATA. And I'd like to be able to hook it up with eSATA. And I bought, actually, an eSATA card for my MacBook Pro because I was, I was at Best Buy looking it up on my, uh, I guess I was using an iPhone at the time. Uh, you know, I, I typed into Google uh, Mac drivers for the PNY, blah, 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 blah. Right. And, uh, a website came up uh, with a, a download for the Mac. You know, like I scrolled down, and there there was a download for the Mac drivers for this uh, card. So I went ahead and bought it, but I can't get those drivers to work. Every time I insert the card, uh, it cur- you know, kernel panics. Okay, yeah. well, okay, well, Otherworld Computing look, actually yeah. has two Express cards that have eSATA on it. One from some company called Apiotech, the Apiotech Extreme Express 34. ESATA, SATA 1, SATA 2, two-port add-on card for MacBook Pro. And they had, there's another one from a company called EasyQuest. And I'm assuming yeah, coming, coming from other world computing that... Uh, it's going to be Mac compatible. Yeah, it's yeah, good. So, absolutely. It says, says on here, special notes for Mac users, no drivers needed for OS X. Oh, perfect. In MacBook perfect. Pro using Core 2 Duo. It doesn't work with the original Core Duo one. So um, that, they have a oh, card that there. that's a problem right there. Yeah. They, they've got a card here that's just twenty dollars. Uh, and oh, twenty dollars! Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, don't Thank don't shop at Best Buy. You. <laughs> you know, I gotta say, here's my uh, recent Best Buy story. My daughter wanted to hook up a couple different USB things: she a, a printer, a card reader, uh, and her camera itself. And of course, she's only got two USB plugs on that uh, MacBook. So I thought, mm-hmm. well, we'll just go out and buy a uh, you oh. know just a cheap USB hub. Right. So we went to Best Buy. I could not believe they only had a a USB hub from one maker. They had four different ones. I think it went from three to eight. 
But the cheapest is it, is one... It, it's the uh, the Best Buy uh, generic one, isn't it? Exactly. And, yeah, and it's, not, the it's not even was, like a Logitech. Yes. And the problem was, it was like 50 bucks for the cheap one. And I said, a USB <laughs> hub for 50 So I 50 asked a guy that worked there, I said, dude, I'm just looking for a USB hub. This is a cheap one. He goes, yeah, right there. And I went, no, I said a cheap one. That's $50. I, I can get five of these you know, online for that price. He goes, well, I, I don't think so. But, you know, if you can get it cheaper online, I would probably do that. And I walked out. I was like, he's on drugs. He's a crackhead or something. Because Absolutely. a $50 <laughs> Absolutely. USB hub, are you kidding me? I, companies give those away for free on showroom floors. They're so cheap. I mean, that's like giving someone a big pen nowadays. I couldn't believe it. I was, I was just <laughs> yeah, really. Logo that, sort, yeah. that sort of thing and, you know. Uh, gold oxygen impregnated cables is is where Best Buy makes their big money because they they sell all that stuff at a huge huge markup. It's because and the they, people that go in there are usually ignorant and they don't realize they know they need a USB hub. Yeah. And and so they go, "Well, I need to hook up multiple things." And they go, "Oh, it's right there." And they go, "Oh, $50." Oh, great. Oh, okay. Thanks. In fact, thanks. In fact, they, those the, those sort of things are not the sort of things that are normally sold to somebody who's just walked in. They're sold because somebody's just bought a couple of USB peripherals and they kind of, you know, the guy says, "Well, you're going to need one of these as well, so let me just add it on to you." And, you know, the guy's spending, you know, 2-300 dollars or maybe a printer and a hard drive and that sort of thing, and he goes, "Oh, yeah, I'll just take that as well." And he doesn't even think about the price till he gets home. Yeah, because it's so, just added know, to the just, credit card bill. Exactly. It's just an add-on thing. They tend to put them on the end caps of the uh, aisles where, you know, you can just casually put one on as you're walking out towards the checkout, uh, and it's all about upselling you. They put yep. it right by the gum, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I just thought it was uh, it was insane, and it, I was almost offended that it, was, <laughs> it cost that much. It's like, and, and it wasn't even a powered one either. It's just, you know, a, a repeater, really. It's not, it wasn't even a powered one? Yeah. They didn't uh, even have the, the external power to it? No. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's Best Buy's and, and those sort of stores uh, thing. You know, that's the, that's the price you're paying uh, partly for convenience, for being able to go down the store and pick it up there and then. Um, you know, if you can if you can build some uh, just a little bit forward planning into your life when you think you might need stuff like that, um, then you can obviously get stuff online. And if you have Amazon Prime or something like that, then you can get stuff delivered next day for free. Uh, and um, that's a good way to go if you can uh, if you can manage like that. But uh, sometimes you just need it there and then, and you know you're going to get stuck stuck on the uh, on the charge. Yeah. So uh, what are you going to do? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, course, yeah. what are, just just you know, just to finish off on Snow Leopard, what else do we think that um, you know? What are we all going to be doing before we put Snow Leopard on our machines? Praying. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we always, whenever there's a new OS update, there's always a, a debate about do you, um, you know, do you do a, a clean install or do you do a migration upgrade, in place upgrade, whatever? I mean, what, what does everyone feel about that? Well, the answer is, as long as you've backed up, it doesn't matter. That's true. That's yeah. true. I prefer a clean install, but I, I rarely do them. Uh, as a matter of fact, on my, uh, uh, geez, my, the last machine, no, this one, actually, the iMac that I'm using right now, uh, I did a, uh, what do you call it, going from one machine to the other, uh, migration. Yeah, use migration. Yeah, so I went from my G5 migration, 
the old G5 that I migrated from, I migrated from another G5, and that one I actually migrated from, you know, on and on. So I basically I'm still on the same machine. Right, you with started no with a Mac install. Plus. No, well, no, I, but it is starting <laughs> with the macOS 10.0 beta, and I oh, updated wow. that, and I updated, so I went from 10.0 to 10.1 to 10.2 to 10.3, 5, and now it's going to be 10.6, and I haven't done a clean install on you know any on the machine since then. I think most Mac users are like you, Tim. I think so. Uh, I think most of them, like, like, uh, like me, you know... I, I whenever like a new friend of mine gets a Mac, you know, I, I like to preach the whole, you know, yeah, you're gonna want to start clean because what if you got something corrupted here or here or blah blah blah. But really, when it comes down to it, I mean, we you know we all have other stuff to do. This is something that I we saw. all just want to get it done right right then and, and there. Walk away. Exactly. But yeah. the, there's yeah. a lot and of old just... code in the Mac OS, and I don't think most people realize that. For instance, you guys are all sitting in front of computers right now, and I, I saw this on a website, but I don't remember which one. If you right now hit Command-Shift-4, so you're going to take a screen snapshot, uh-huh. but then hit yep. the space bar. You see the camera icon that comes up? Yeah. That's from Next. You hit Command-Shift-4. Command-Shift-4. Okay. And then hit the space bar. Oh yeah! You see that. that camera? That's a Next OS icon. <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? Yes, I am serious. That's from, That's from Next. I'd... Oh my god! <laughs> it looks. So, like, it. it looks. I, it. Yeah, I think. I think this is the thing. I mean, in in most circumstances, I would I'd be inclined to just go through the migration, uh, and upgrade in place, and and certainly you know doing that is a lot easier than it on on OS ten than it ever is on on other operating systems like Windows. For this one, because you know they're stripping all that um, PowerPC code out, yep. I, I, I'm really going to be taking the view that I'm going to um, clean install. do a clean install. Yep, I am too, and, and reload everything and in this, because this might you be know the this very really first is a, time that this I is an that. architectural shift, isn't it? Yep. Uh, and um, you know it makes sense to me to kind of clear out all the all the old legacy stuff and, and start anew. I, now, I, I, uh, was, I do clean installs on the portable machines that I have. Yeah, but yeah. not on my, you know, my workhorse, the one that I work yeah. with. Uh, before we wrap up the show, because we're we're getting close to time here, I did want to ask Justin a couple questions. Uh, first question is, Justin, you were a podcaster for a while, but um, yeah. kind of inconsistent, and it looks like you gave it up because it's been over a year since your last episode. It I actually, I, I actually went back before you came on the show, and I listened to the last oh, episode no. you had, and you guys <laughs> were very good. Now, of course, it's not family friendly. Even the name oh, of the podcast family wasn't family-friendly. Family but my question is, you've got a real good voice for for this kind of thing. Oh, well, thank you. Um, thank but you. like most people who start a podcast, you didn't stick with it. I mean, I, honestly, the, the people who start podcasts, that most of the time, they go less than 12 episodes, and then they quit because they find out how much freaking work it is. Yeah, pod um, phase. Yeah, pod phase is what we call it. Is pod, podcasting pod something that you're looking to get back into? Oh, absolutely! Like I've uh, I've been to broadcasting school twice. So, well, sort of twice. I went to one school that was like nine months of broadcasting. So, I went through broadcasting uh, school too. Oh, very good. Uh, and then I took a, a college course on broadcasting, which is I think right where you the episode that you heard. Uh, I I was I was telling my friend actually who did the podcast with me right before I came on. His name is Kelly. Yep. Uh, 
that uh, I was like, man, I wish you would have listened to a different show because I talked about getting arrested in that show and <laughs> and all all that stuff. But uh, but yeah, uh, I I definitely have the passion for it. It's just that uh, unfortunately, my my uh, best friend Kelly, who's a guy for anybody who's listening, uh, he uh, he lives on he lives in South Texas, basically. And I live in North Texas, and Texas is pretty big. So it, it's hard. It's it's hard for us to actually sit down and do a show whenever we're not sitting face to face. Well, I, so, you know, I'm kind of with you there. When I did the show with Chad Perry for the first what three years, um, there was some comfort level of having someone physically right there. But now that I'm used to doing it via Skype, um, mm-hmm. it feels actually weird to have someone in the same room with me. You keep looking really? over your shoulder. Yeah, and it's easier I, to keep track of what's going on when there's not somebody in the other room. And as far as content, yeah. for instance, you know, I'm talking to you guys, but I'm also, I have, you know, I have five different windows open. I have a web browser going. I'm checking GarageBand. I have Skype. I have um, uh, text edit, so I'm putting in notes as we're going along. I've got the chat right now for you stream up, and I'm keeping an eye on that. If there was somebody else in the room with me, it would be harder but because of Guy and David being in, you know, totally separate areas, they can have other things up on their computer. So while I'm talking to David about a product, Guy can actually be bringing it up on the website to send me a link to put in the show notes. That's the kind of thing That's that cool. you just can't do when someone's physically in the same room with you unless they're on another computer. And then it's kind of That's distracting true, because you're yeah. looking at what they're doing instead of what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> so <laughs> but, I would encourage again, you to get I... back into it, man, because I think that you have a really good voice. You've got a good vibe. Um, and it's fun to do. You know, I don't have to tell you, you did it. About. Uh, it was our podcast is basically uh, like our uh, idea or like our, our the rule we put behind it was absolute total honesty in everything we did. So it oh, was, was basically talking. Mistake. Do I'm what? I'm, I said there was, there was your first mistake. Yeah, geez, what yeah, were you exactly. thinking? Honesty. <laughs> no, but like uh, it was it was uh, like I put up on our uh, on our little iWeb site that I put up in like ten minutes. Uh, you know, it was basically just about being a, a twenty three or twenty four year old guy just trying to survive. So I mean, <laughs> there's a reason I haven't gotten married. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So uh, we'd love it if you guys send us some feedback on the show, on the this show in particular, or any show that we've done. Feedback at MyMac.com. Uh, we really, really could use some more feedback. I know a lot of people download this, but most people don't send us any feedback. And I think that's mostly because people listen in their car or on their headphones when they're away from the computer. They don't think about it. Yeah, they don't think about it. By the time they get home, they're not thinking, oh, I should send these guys an email. But you can also follow us on Twitter. Uh, I am... My Mac on Twitter, so twitter.com slash mymac. Uh, Justin, excuse me, Justin, are you on Twitter? Uh, I am, but I haven't updated it since I signed up. Uh, but, um, That's a lot of people do that. Yeah. 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 Well, you should throw it out there and start Twittering, man. Yeah, I should. It's, uh, it's Justin Bryce. It's just my whole name. It's uh, B-R-Y-C-E. It's not B-R-I-C-E. But it's, it's, It'll be in the show notes, and yeah, this is, the, the, the podcast will have your name in it, too, so they'll figure that out. David Cohen. Yep, I'm David B. Cohen on Twitter. And Guy. Mac Parrot. Mac Parrot. You should have went with Mac Hippie, I'm telling you. Yeah, I know. It's probably gone by now. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely. It'll be when the show comes out. Absolutely. Would you mind if I plug my, mine and my friend's podcast real quick? Go for it. Okay, it's, uh, it's, it's called The Jack Off, but it's J-A-K, and that's, that stands for Justin and Kelly. 
So sure it does. It really does. It's lonely down there in Texas, doesn't it? Sponsored by Jergens Lotion. Exactly. We actually got KY to sponsor for a while, but they they dropped it. I don't know why. But yeah, just search. It's a slippery slope. Yeah, very slippery slope. Oh, this is going downhill. Yeah, it's going downhill. Yeah, so check out that podcast. I'm not going to link to it because uh, not because I don't want you guys to listen to it because uh, I, I know that some people get really offended when we talk about some subjects and posting something like that. Although if you do go back up and and I was talking about this last week about my uh, Mike Arrington blog post, um, that that was not a family friendly article. I, I used some bad words. <laughs> so Shame on you. Shame on me. So we're going to wrap up the show. We want to thank Otherworld Computing for sponsoring this week's podcast. We encourage everyone to listen to this, to check out our other show, Geekiest Show Ever. And the next one is going to have Justin and me on there talking about Star Wars. Yeah. That one, even more Justin. <laughs> more Justin. A hundred percent more Justin. I think every podcast could use just a little more Justin, I have to say. I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm going to put this show 53. It's going to be called... A little more Justin. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I just we want to take I'm a second to, to thank you guys for letting me come on with y'all because I've, I, I love you guys. I really think that y'all are like the most untrumpeted podcast that iTunes has to offer, and I love I appreciate it. So thank you so, so much iTunes. for letting me, for sharing, you know, sharing the opportunity with me to get out there. I mean, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, you know, this was a, a, a kind of a last-minute thing getting you on the show because we had it scheduled. In fact, we're scheduled all the way into November at this point. But the person that was going to be on the show this week had to cancel. Well, thank you. And you so I kicked that out there. And yeah, we had uh, four or five people uh, that uh, sent me an email wanting to be on this week, but yours was the first one that I got, so yours was the first one. Um, I think you sent it like at three in the morning. Yeah, that, you know, you know, a quick funny story about that. I was playing uh, Microsoft's combat flight simulator because I, I love like world war ii planes and stuff like that i was sitting there flying yeah, my p51 and i'm listening to your Excellent. podcast and you're like hey write in if you want to get in because we have an opening august 6th i was like shoot i booted back into mac because you know i don't use windows for anything but flight simulator and uh <laughs> here i Solitary. am yeah yep i got a couple that were uh, sent early in the morning um and they were both from uk listeners because obviously they're how many hours ahead of you are you, David? We're, we're five hours. hours. We're five hours ahead of the East Coast. Yeah, but the first one I got was from you, Justin. So I said, "Oh, that's the guy right there." <laughs> and uh, so, so uh, we do appreciate you coming on, and we want to encourage anybody else listening. If you want to be on the show, let me know. Again, we're booking into, jeez, uh, November. Uh, the next opening we have is November twenty-sixth. Actually, that's probably going to be moved because that's Thanksgiving. <laughs> Oh, is that a problem? Yeah, it might be. Yeah, it might be. We'll probably kick that one to November 27th. We'll probably, well, I don't know. That's Black Friday. I have to do it on Wednesday, uh, November 25th. We'll see. Well, it gets confusing. Man, if, you, if you ever have anybody else cancel on you, I'm always open. Wow, we appreciate the offer, man, and Absolutely. I'll keep that in mind. I think you're really good at podcasting. Oops, I just hit the mic. That's always sounding great for the audience. <laughs> um, and uh, like I said, I hope you do get into podcasting because, uh, again, because you've got a, a natural aptitude. You've got the, 
an energy and a voice that I think most people will enjoy listening to. So you've got a great look for podcasting. Yeah, that's right. You got a great look for podcasting. <laughs> so Justin, thanks for being on the show. David and Guy, as always. I appreciate you two being here and making me sound even better because without you guys, the show would suck. It would just be me and nobody wants that, trust me. So uh, for uh, Justin, David, and Guy, I'm Tim, and we'll see you next week. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't think it recorded anything past... Uh-oh. Nope, it didn't. It stopped oh, recording way at the 50-minute mark. That's at the what saying, mark? That's, that's the same problem me and Kelly ran into. And uh, I, I used Logic for our last show. They recorded everything. Oh, I don't know why it didn't do this. Yeah, it stopped at 50 minutes. How much did you lose? Well, that blows. A lot. That sucks. And they just walked in, and I can't fix it now. Um, I've been recording all this on uh, Audio Hijack Pro. Have you? Oh. Send, that, send it over, dude. <laughs> Wait, cool. I, I actually have, yeah, and it's still recording. According to the little... The meters are jumping. I'm assuming it's recording. It says it's recording. Well, send it over to me. I'll uh, pu- plug it in the show. You'll be the hero. Awesome. Yeah, no doubt.